Good morning. Welcome to worship. We're glad you're here. Um, I always like this song. This is a this song came along uh, at a time when when I was trying to make a decision. Actually, I'll just tell you what it was. It was when we were trying to. I'd been at Harpeth Heights in Nashville for for almost 16 years, and and I felt like God was moving me here. And I, it was, but it was a heavy decision to go. Wow, should I leave this place that I've, you know, been here for so long and go somewhere else? And I was asking God, and and about that time, I heard this song, and for some reason, it spoke to my heart. When in the phrase where it says, "Never once did I did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful." You are, and I just knew at that moment that God was faithful. He was going to be faithful. He'd been faithful. And he was going to lead me to the right decision, and he did. And uh, and so uh, uh, maybe you're in a place like that where right now you just need to remember God's faithfulness and that you've never, ever, ever walked alone. Isn't that amazing? Will you stand with us and let's sing together.
you can have a seat. Well, good morning and welcome to worship. We're glad you're here with us at First Baptist. And I want to welcome you, especially if you're a guest with us. Uh, we want to point you to a guest card at the back of your pew there. Uh, and uh, if you uh, don't mind filling that out and at the end of the service, uh, you can take that to the Welcome Center. And we have a gift for you if you're first time with us. And I'd uh, love to just get to know you and, uh, and have you learn more about our church. So we're glad you're here to worship. And we gather in, in God's house to give him praise and, and to uh, be here to worship him and have an experience with his presence and uh, who he is for us. So let's pray and we'll continue to worship. God, we come this morning just to, to worship you, and we bring our praises, we bring our burdens, we bring our questions, and we just know that, that we are going to meet you here. Your presence is among us as we worship, as we gather. So help us to hear you. Help us to uh, just listen. As we praise you through song, as we hear your word, God, uh, let us be in tune with who you are as we worship this morning. We give you all the praise and thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray, amen. together. And we 
I want to teach you a new song. It's talking about just speaking the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Listen to this and join in when you get the hang of it. come before you this morning just calling on your name. Oh, Jesus, 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 what a sweet name. Oh, Lord, we call on you this morning to fill us with your Holy Spirit, to show us your 
your ways, Lord, to teach us what you want us to know this morning, Lord. Most importantly, Lord, we just want to be more like you. And I know I pray this every week, so I just want to pray it again, that we just leave this place different than we came because we have experienced you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you today. So glad you're here to worship with us, or if you're worshiping online with us, we're glad you could be a part of this service as well. This is Memorial Day weekend, and I would like for us to just spend just a moment in silence um, to remember and to thank God for those who've given their lives in the defense and service of our country, and then I'll lead us in a prayer for our nation. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father in heaven, we bow before you today again, and we especially now want to thank you for one of the blessings that we have specifically to live in this nation of the United States. We know that all nations are yours. You're sovereign over every nation. We're grateful for the blessings we've received in this nation, and we specifically thank you now for those who have served our country and have given their lives in defense of our country. We pray, Lord, for family members and for those who, who still mourn them. And on this occasion as well, Lord, we want to just pray for our country. All of us have been deeply saddened by the school shooting in Texas. And, oh God, our hearts go out to these uh, families. We pray you'll bind up the brokenhearted and you'll be with them. And, oh God, we thank you that the kingdom of heaven belongs to children we pray that we might be like children and humble ourselves in America and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways and that we might find your favor and your blessing upon our nation. Oh Lord, in this place today, we ask again that you will meet with us and that our hearts would be open to your word. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about how to handle pressure in your life. Do you have any pressure? Uh, there's a guy in Finland who owns a machine shop. I can't pronounce his name. It's a big, long name. And one day he was bored and uh, decided to video uh, one of his hydraulic presses crushing things. He put it on YouTube, and from it came a whole channel called the Hydraulic Press Channel. He has hundreds of thousands of subscribers, millions of views a year, uh, he makes a million dollars a year off of this. We're going to watch a little of it this morning. Here's the hydraulic press channel from YouTube. All it is, over and over, oh, some of you have a hydro flask. There it goes. All it is, over and over, is a hydraulic press crushing stuff. That's all this channel is, over and over and over again. And this guy's making, there goes a Rubik's Cube. This guy's making millions of dollars with the just people watching stuff get smashed. Oh, not Thomas, not Thomas. Sorry if you have any kids in here, that could be traumatic. There's, there goes Thomas the Train. My point in showing you this, as we just continue to watch this, is do you ever feel like this? Do you ever feel like you're just being pressured and crushed? Do you ever feel like uh, maybe in your job you've got a quota to meet and boy, it's just weighing heavily on you? Some of you are students and uh, you feel like to achieve grades, to get into school, to get the right program, to keep your scholarship. You just feel crushed. Do you ever feel like when you're at the gas pump and those numbers just keep rolling that your bank account is just being squeezed and squeezed. Or you go to the grocery store now and you feel like you are just, oh, a candle. Oh, what's going to happen to the candle? There it goes. Do you ever feel like this? I want to talk to you today about how we handle pressure. 
This goes on for hours, but we're going to stop there because none of you are looking at me right now. So we're going we're gonna to stop right there. You get the idea, right? How do you handle pressure in your life? I want to talk to you today about a man in the Bible who was being squeezed like this. His name was Hezekiah. He was king of Judah. And there was a nation to the northeast of him that was slowly moving southward, gobbling up every nation in its way, and was exerting great pressure on King Hezekiah. And in response to that pressure coming from the north, he was being advised and being tempted to go south and get help from the other superpower there, Egypt, and make an alliance with Egypt to counteract that pressure that he was feeling from the north. But God sent his prophet Isaiah to Hezekiah to say, don't do this. Don't make an alliance with Egypt. Let's read his warning in Isaiah chapter 31, beginning at verse 1. We're going to look at chapters 30 and 31 of the book of Isaiah today about how to handle pressure. We begin uh, in chapter 31 by seeing the pressure that Hezekiah was under. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. Isaiah's favorite name for God over 20 times in this book is the Holy One of Israel. He's different from all other gods. He's not just another national deity. He is the Holy One of Israel. Look, do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. You see, God had, did not want his people to ally with Egypt because that's where they had come from in slavery. And he did not want them to again be allying with this group that had brought them into slavery. He did not want them to use horses. He specifically told them in the law, don't rely on horses. Partly because the terrain of Judah was not suitable for chariot warfare, but partly because he did not want them going back to Egypt, which was the source of horses. Let's look back in the law for a minute, and you can see this command in Deuteronomy 17, 16. God had said when he gave them the law, the king, moreover, must not acquire great number of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them for the Lord has told you you are not to go back that way again and so now Isaiah is warning Hezekiah don't go down there for chariots and horses don't go down there for help you'll you'll wind up in that kind of situation again so let's apply this to your life Egypt represents bondage and when you are under pressure, you'll be tempted to go back to old masters. That's what Hezekiah is tempted to do. He's under pressure. And he's tempted to go back to the very place that he was enslaved. And when you get under pressure, you may be tempted to turn to alcohol again. And you've been done with that for a while. But, but now the pressure has made you tempted to return to the very thing that enslaved you. Or it may be prescription drugs. Or it may be pornography or, or something just mindless entertainment that relieves that pressure. You've got so much stress at work, so much stress in your marriage, you just check out. And, and you just turn to things that will just numb the pain for a while and give you some kind of relief. And Egypt represents the bondage in your life. And the word that God would say to you is when you get, feel this pressure, you're going to be tempted to return to old masters. Maybe you cope with lying. And you have a, you, you've given up that life of deception. You've come to cry, faith in Christ. But now, work pressure is so much that you're tempted to turn to deception and lying again to get out of that pressure that you're under. Egypt represents that bondage. The horse in this verse represents power. We still talk about horse power, even in our modern age, don't we? Horse power. The horse represents power. And so the application here is when you're under pressure, you'll be tempted to rely on your own resources rather than God. And uh, Hezekiah thought perhaps he could fix his problem 
by getting more horses and chariots. And the Holy One of Israel said, I've told you that's going to bring you into a compromising situation. Trust me. And when you feel pressure in your family, some of you are fixers. I know that. I'm a fixer. And you want to fix people and your sister or your kids or your in-laws. And, and you just you want to fix them. And you're relying on your own power and you're worrying yourself when you need to do all you can and then trust God to fix that. The horse represents the temptation in your life to rely on your own strength, to use your own methodology to solve problems rather than trusting God. Look at verse 3 of Isaiah 31, verse 3. But the Egyptians are mere mortals and not God. Their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, those who help will stumble and those who are helped will fall. All will perish together. God says, these ways of compromise and of taking things into your own hands will not work. They'll all stumble together. Let's back up to chapter 30. We continue to read Isaiah's words of warning. Isaiah 30, verse 1. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me. It sounds like Hezekiah has already caved into some of the pressure and has already sent a delegation to Egypt to get horses and to get help against Assyria, who look for help in Pharaoh's protection to Egypt's shade for refuge, but Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in Zoan and their envoys have arrived in Hanes, those were cities in Egypt, so apparently the envoys had already made it that far. Everyone will be put to shame because of a people useless to them who bring neither help nor advantage, but only shame and disgrace. So if that's not how to deal with pressure in your life, how do you deal with pressure? What does God want Hezekiah to do? What does God want you to do in the situation that you're in? Let's look at the answer in Isaiah 30, verse 15. I think this is the key verse in the book of Isaiah. By key verse, I mean one verse that summarizes a book. One of the ways to do Bible study, one of the ways that you could grow in Bible knowledge is to try to identify a verse in a book that summarizes that book. When you can do that and you learn that verse, it helps you to have a handle on what that book is about and helps you to know where to go to in the Bible to get some help. And that's not too hard a task for some of the short books of the Bible. For example, Colossians is all about the supremacy of Jesus. Colossians 2.9 In him, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. That pretty much sums up the book of Colossians. Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Philippians is about joy in the Lord. You can be happy in a hard place. So I'm saying it's not too hard in a little book. But what about Isaiah, one of the biggest in the Bible, 66 chapters? What one verse would sum up this massive volume of literature that spanned the ministry of four kings? Well, there's several good candidates. Isaiah chapter 6, he had a vision, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's all about the holiness of God. Isaiah chapter 40, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. That'd be a good candidate. I think this is the verse that summarizes best the entire message of the book of Isaiah. Here it is. This is what the sovereign Lord The Holy One of Israel says, you hear that title again? Two phrases. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. You'll be saved. Here's four words that God was calling Hezekiah to position himself in, and he's calling you when you're dealing with pressure and you're stressed out. He says, first of all, in returning or in repentance. Uh, We got the ESV up there. I'm reading from the NIV. In the NIV, it's in repentance. But the word does mean returning uh, because literally these envoys had probably already started to Egypt and now they were returning. 
God was calling them to return, and that's what repentance is. It's you saying, I'm going in the wrong way. And when you admit, I'm going in the wrong way, I don't want to go my way, I want to go God's way, that's what repentance is. It's returning. And if you'll repent of any compromise in your life, any sin in your life, that's the first step. In repentance, in returning, and in rest. And the third word is similar in quietness. He's saying, Hezekiah, don't freak out. He's saying to you, don't freak out. Don't be anxious. Don't be consumed with worry about the situation you're in. If you will still your heart, if you will wait before me in quietness and in rest. And the fourth word is trust or confidence. You put your trust in me. Don't put your trust in Egypt. Don't put your trust in horses. Put your trust in me. And God is calling you. This is a faith moment if you're going through some pressure. It is a growth point in your life. And God is saying to you, will you trust me? And if you'll trust me, you'll find me faithful and you will grow and be better able to handle future pressure in your life. Hezekiah, still yourself and trust me, you may be saying that to you today. Now, does this mean that we're supposed to do nothing when we're under pressure? The answer is no. You might read those words, quietness, stillness, and say, well, that means I just, I don't do anything. No, it doesn't imply inactivity. Do all in your power to relieve your pressure, but when you've done all you can, do not compromise or be consumed with anxiety. Trust God. So let's apply that to, you, to your situation. Maybe you're in school and you're stressed out, trying to get into grad school, trying to get into a program, trying to make a certain grade where you can get a scholarship, and you're just stressed out. What, is it, what does it mean that God wants you to do? You do all that you can. You study hard. You apply for everything. But in the end, then, you steal your heart. When you've done everything, you steal your heart. You make sure that you're not compromising. You return to the Lord. You steal your heart, and you trust Him. What if you're... Uh, what if you've got cancer diagnosis? Such a terrible plague upon our, our world. What do you do? What does this mean in returning and rest and quietness and trust? You do everything that you can to beat that cancer. You see whatever doctors you want to do, whatever trials, whatever treatments you can. But when you have done everything, you still your heart and you trust in God. It does not imply inactivity, but it implies that when I've done all I can, I will not compromise. I'll not go back to those old masters. I won't try to manipulate my way out of this. And I will not be consumed with anxiety and worry because I trust God. That's what God's saying to you about the pressure in your life, as he said to Hezekiah. But the last phrase of verse 15 says, but you were unwilling, or you would have none of it. They didn't take the prescription. They went to Egypt and sought horses and help. And so God says in verse 16, you said, no, not going to quiet ourselves, not going to repent, not going to return, not going to trust, no, we will flee on horses. And so God says, therefore you will flee. You said we'll ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. Uh, so he's saying, ironically, you say we're going we're gonna to ride on horses. Yeah, he said you'll ride on horses. You'll ride on horses that way. You'll be fleeing from the battle. You won't have to run for your life on your horses. And then he says, verse 17, a thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you'll all flee away till you're all left like a flagstaff on a mountain, like a signal or a banner on a hill. And this is exactly what happens. Let me tell you the story. You can read it in Isaiah 37 and 38. Let me summarize it for you. The pressure from Assyria continued, and they had already taken Samaria, the northern kingdom of Israel, and now they pressed down into Judah and uh, 
Sennacherib, king of Assyria, conquered 46 walled cities of Jerusalem. One after another, every city fell. Until Jerusalem was the only one left, like a flagstaff on top of a mountain, just one flag left. Hezekiah sent ransom, he sent tribute to Sennacherib to try to stop him, to try to buy him off. He sent, King says, 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold. He stripped the gold off of the doorposts of the temple that Solomon had built and everything was covered in gold and it was a magnificent place of worship. Now he strips that gold off of all the walls and the door door places and sends that tribute to Sennacherib to try to buy him off. It does not work. And so Sennacherib surrounds Jerusalem, besieges it, and it is about to fall. And just what God said, you go on a horses and you'll flee on them and you'll be left like a flagstaff on top of a hill. But there is one more verse. Verse 18 says, the next verse, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Isn't that a great word? You may, have, you may have not handled pressure well. You may have compromised. You may have gone back to some old masters. You may have been consumed by anxiety. And God warned you that was the wrong path, and you did it anyway. And you know what God has to say to you now? Does he say, I told you so? No. You know what God says to you? The Lord longs, he waits to be gracious to you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing how good God is? And so there's the final chapter to the story. Two things happened that turned the tide. As Sennacherib and the armies of Assyria surrounded Jerusalem, he spoke to the people on the wall and tried to get them to surrender. And he said, your reliance upon Egypt and their horses are futile. And he said, here's the mistake he made, and your reliance on your God is futile. Your God is just like all the other gods that I have conquered. Uh Uh-oh, he shouldn't have said that. He said, where are the gods of Arad? And he names all these other nations and cities. Where are their gods that they prayed to where I surrounded them? They didn't protect them, and your God is just like all the other gods. And the second thing that happened that turned the tide, Hezekiah repented and prayed. When he heard the message, and and Sennacherib sent a letter with the terms of surrender, the Bible says he tore his clothes in mourning, and he put on sackcloth instead of his royal robes, and he went into the temple And he spread that letter out before the Lord. And he cried out to God, Oh God, we've been foolish. Would you help us still? And the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And if you will repent and rest and still your heart and trust in him, he still longs to be gracious to you. And so the angel of the Lord came and struck down 185,000 of the Assyrian army, and they died. And Sennacherib and his commanders withdrew to Assyria. And the flagstaff left on the hill survived because Hezekiah humbled himself before the Lord. How do you handle pressure in your life? The Bible says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Would you bow with me in prayer? Right now, would you take to the Lord anything in your life that has caused you to compromise or to worry? If there are sources of pressure in your life, would you say to God, Psalm 27, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Would you repent of any sin? Would you still your heart? And would you put your confidence in God?
Oh God, we pray that we who have been like the former Hezekiah might be like the latter and humble ourselves before you and seek you and put our trust in you. We pray in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. Now I would say to you that the trust that God calls for is not just generic trust. The New Testament tells us that that trust is the trust in his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth to become a human so he could die for us, be raised from the dead, and by his death and life give us salvation, not just from immediate pressures and individual circumstances, but eternal salvation forever and ever. Put your trust in Jesus as your Savior. Let's stand together and we're going to sing. And as we sing, if you today want to identify as a Christian, you want to follow Christ, you want to pray and receive Him as Savior, we're willing to be baptized. You could walk down these aisles while we're singing. Meet me here at the front. There'll be decision counselors to help you. You today could pray and receive Christ and declare your faith. Be baptized at a later time, June 19th. is our next baptism. Maybe you need to join our church. Maybe you want to come and pray. God, I want, to, I want to pray that I might handle well the pressures of my life. You can pray by yourself, or you come to me, and I'll get you paired with somebody. A decision council will be glad to pray with you. As God speaks to you, would you come? fills the night it cannot hide the light whom shall I fear you crush the enemy underneath my feet you are my sword and shield those rebels linger whom shall I fear I know who goes before me, I know who stands behind, the God of angel armies is always by my side, the one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine, the God of angel armies is always by my side. Angel 
is always by. Come on, church, sing it. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The seated for just a moment and I want to turn your attention to our worship God and we thank you so much for being here this morning and I want you to know this Wednesday night is our final Wednesday night of uh, Wednesday night suppers and so you got to make a reservation for that but this coming Wednesday is the final night and then at 6 p.m. we're going to be having prayer meeting in the gym so we'll all gather in the gym for prayer meeting and then at 6 30 we're going to be sent out to do VBS canvassing and so we've got about 50 neighborhoods identified, door hangers for groups to go out, and you'll go and you'll select what neighborhood you want to go to and get everything that you need. We even have childcare provided for uh, preschool age until 7.15, so it gives you about 45 minutes to hit the neighborhood that you're going to. But you come, get all the supplies, and then go and help us to let the neighborhoods know that we have VBS going on, which is going to be June 6th through the 7th from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. So that's Vacation Bible School. Now, along that same vein, we want to let you know that next Sunday is VBS Sunday. So we want you to wear your VBS t-shirts if you got them. And we'll have some people leading some songs and some worship for us. I know Amy is really excited about that. So we'll see Amy next week uh, uh, dancing and or showing the motions and everything for that. So be sure to mark your calendars for that. Then finally, I just want to give you a few more things. Um, June 15th, we begin our Wednesday night outdoor worship. So that's going to be going on. And that's also the first night of the Jesus Tent at Bonnaroo. So if you want to sign up for the Jesus Tent, Thursday is the last day to sign up and be guaranteed a T-shirt. So I think I've given you enough for one day. You got all of it right here? We just don't have enough to do around here, do we? You know, it's summer. It's here. And so it's go, go, go. But we want to pray for these things. Let's take a moment, let's pray together, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you for our church. God, I thank you, uh, Lord, that um, we not only gather on Sunday, but we scatter throughout the week with the gospel. And so I pray for Wednesday night. I pray for this canvassing. Uh, Lord, I pray that families, uh, new families, families who've been here for years, would come to our church for VBS. They'd bring their children. And God, they would hear the good news of Jesus. I pray for the Jesus tent at Bonnaroo, God, another opportunity to share your word. Father, help us now. We ask all of this in Jesus' good name. Amen. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. Bye.